Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right. You know where you are and you know what time it is. This is Tyler Schaff and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys Podcast. And this week, guys, I got something special for you. I got Mikey awake. I got him out in Colorado out there. We're on Zoom together. He's been out crushing it, doing all kinds of stuff in Wyoming and in Colorado. And of course, he's been jet setting around the country for our real estate fund, Cashflow Guys Real Estate Fund. He flew into, into Florida. We just did a deal together over here in Tarpon Springs. We're pretty excited about that. And uh, I wanted to bring Mike on the show this week, and he's getting more and much more involved in Cashflow Guys itself as a company. Not in, in, in addition to the fund, he's also going to help me create uh, educational materials. We want to up our game. It's been quite a while since I've done any educational content besides the podcast. I used to do a lot of videos and infographics and stuff like that. And Mike has a ton of knowledge. I want to suck it out of his brain and get it out on the internet to help you guys. He has a different talents than I do. And that's one of the reasons I brought him on the show this week is that he's been out going to uh, city council meetings and local business meetings and whatnot to figure out his local market because he builds his own portfolio separate from the fund, just like I have my own portfolio separate from the fund. Together, we're, we become the dynamic duo, and he has a different take on things, which is one of the reasons why I love the partnership because we're very, very different. But when we come together, I think, frankly, we're unstoppable. So, Mike, welcome back, brother. Hello, world. It's Mike Marino again. Hey, man. So uh, <laughs> let's just jump right in, shall we? Uh, we've So you and I, I kind of want to bring everybody up to date because some people may have just tuned into the show for the first time. Other people have been listening for a long time, that type of thing. I want to kind of summarize where we're at. So you and I started a real estate fund. We've been friends for many, many years since, oh, my God, when did we finally meet? When did we meet? 2012? Yeah, uh, yeah, 2010 on the other side of the world. Right, yeah. So out in Hawaii, he was an officer wearing a cute little officer's uniform and all that fancy, hey, shiny stuff hey, on his hey. collars. Look at that. And I was just hey, a scrub. Hey, hey. <laughs> he was Noah Core, and I was uh, just a dirty sailor on the deck of the Noah ship, Kaimi Moana. But anyway, we became friends. I don't know how the hell that happened because you're up there in the elite category and I'm down here with the scrubs. And anyway, we became friends and reunited again in Florida. I'm teaching Cashflow 101. You show up because you want to be, you want to get financially free because you're just sick and tired of the government paycheck, realizing you're going to go broke if you try to retire on that stuff. And here we are today. We're doing deals together. So you and I, I should say, guys, Mike and I were our first adventure together in deals was here in Key West. Um, we opened up the fund, right, Mike? We got the uh, got the attorney together, a PPM, all that good stuff. Um, and for those of you who don't know, a PPM is a private place at memorandum. When you're raising money to do it legally, when you have more than one person's money together in a pool to go out and buy real estate, the proper way to do it is with a private place at memorandum under a what they call a, a 506C syndication or 506b depending on how you structure it and, and this episode's not about getting into the legalese neither one of mike or i are attorneys but basically you gotta give them attorneys a bunch of money they give you a big stack of paperwork that basically tells the investors all the ways they can lose their ass and then off off we go um so that became our journey down in key west and you and i mike dove into key west i've been down here obviously before you but uh, let's start there so we learned a lot about key west um, let's talk about early on what we both, I mean, from your perspective, what were your, what were you, what did you learn in the beginning from it? Cause you studied Key West independently of me, you and I studied independently. And then of course, together, what would your kind of take on 
the gist of Key West? What did we think? And then what do we become to come to know? Yeah. So when everyone thinks of Key West, they think of, okay, the last time they went down to visit there, it was a great time. Yep. But more importantly, everybody talks about they love it down there because they feel like they're escaping the nine to five world. They're escaping the mainland, Amen. literally, whether they take the ferry, they they take the uh, hundred mile road trip down there. And yeah, that's that's why we love that town. It's like Disney World for adults, I guess you call it, right? Right, right. <laughs> so initially, that's that was my perspective. And that, you know, when you first moved down there, we were trying to figure out, okay, this is different than the mainland. Yeah, it really yeah, is. Sure. It's very different. When we go down there and visit, and I'm sure the audience too, it feels like a big town. Yep. But in essence, the actual residents, it's only about what was 25,000 people. Like it's actually that, a yeah. small town. 24 to 26. something. Like it changes with every hurricane. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> <laughs> Storms coming after the, the population hauls ass to the mainland, <laughs> me included. <laughs> yeah, but it has a lot more small town dynamic than we ever thought I, right. from, from the beginning. So when it comes to city count, I'm t- primarily I'm talking about our our what we thought about the rental situation here in Key West. So when you and I first started here, we looked at doing long term rentals, yeah, and then we transitioned into short term, making more sense. And can you kind of touch on what you thought, what your impression was initially before we both got a le- learned a lesson? I mean, we both learned. I thought long term rentals would probably make some sense here because, well, geez, you can run a two bedroom for. You can get now, right now, as of October 2022, you can expect to spend upwards of $4,000 for a two-bedroom apartment. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I remember when you and I were looking a year ago, two years ago, those numbers were a little more than, a little less than half of that. Um, but my initial perspective, perspective was, okay, so we buy a duplex for a million bucks. We can rent each side for $6,000. That doesn't cash flow, Right. Crazy enough. Yeah. yeah. And then we started looking into the short-term rental thing. And you want to kind of touch on your what we've learned about the short-term rental thing? Yeah. So initially, short-term rental makes sense because Key West is all about tourists, yeah. visitors. Yep. People stay in hotels. And anybody who's been down there realizes there's actually a shortage of hotels. Even though it seems like there's bed and breakfasts everywhere, right. there's still a shortage. So that's where we said, okay, well, there's a shortage of something, which means there's money in being on the other side of that shortage. That's right. So it made complete sense to us. Right. But of course, now when we get further into the city council meetings, which we want to talk about, it's a small town. It has that small town dynamic and small towns are concerned about keeping it that same Key West feel, which we're all about, of course. But of course, then government is a little bit more... Mm, how would you say uh, mm-hmm. they want their, their their finger on the business more than you right. think? <laughs> well, they want to help out. And, and I can be, I can, you know, I've been around here now a couple of years in Key West and I know everybody on city council now, and I know the city manager and the mayor and all these people. And one of the takeaways I have is that they, I think they genuinely want to help. They have oh, a yeah. situation here. They have a bad situation. They have a, a rental crisis. And by crisis, that means the, there's a, a big difference between what people earn and what they and, and with that said, what they can afford to spend and what the actual rents are. There's a supply and demand imbalance. There's not enough supply and there's extraordinary demand. Add to that, it's freaking paradise. So, you know, we're not in Newark, for God's sake. There's nothing for rent in Key West for $900. Nothing for rent has been in for rent in Key West for $900 for a decade, probably two decades. 
So by going, I, well, I learned, of course, the ambassador program and city council is that we had a, there's a crisis that the government wants to try to fix. Legitimately, they want to fix it. I believe that. However, being government, the only thing they can do is legislate their way out of a problem because they only have so much power. They can they can either pass or do away with law. That's it. I mean, they, they can't do much else than that, right? They can just wish it into existence and hope it works. And you ran into that same type of scenario out in Fort Collins, Colorado, where the local government's trying to legislate its way out of... Uh, you know, creating more capacity, reducing rents, that type of thing. You want to touch on that a little bit? Yeah. So uh, my personal profile, I'm looking at rentals in Colorado and Wyoming, right? Outside the major cities, outside of Denver, because like, like Austin, like places, even like Key West, people are saying it's kind of saturated already. So we want to spread out. I would maybe call them Zoom towns where people have actually moved out of the big cities right. too because they can work remotely. And I'm I'm becoming a city council meeting junkie. Yeah. Number one, because they're so boring, no one else is listening to them. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I got to <laughs> tell you, the, the Key West ones are not boring by any means. They're actually uh, somewhat terrifying. <laughs> in some <laughs> cases, it's like, wow, they said that in public. That's awesome. You guys ever want great entertainment? Watch a Key West City Council meeting. That's exciting. Tarpon Springs, Fort, Col- Fort Collins, not so much. <laughs> it's like watching yeah, paint dry. Yeah, flip-flops, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But what I'm seeing is between you know Florida, Colorado, Wyoming, and I'm a pilot too, so I get to talk to and see places all around the country and around the world. It's the same thing is coming up. Affordable housing is a major issue. Right. And when you go to these city council meetings, it's they make it to be almost an emergency. Whether in big cities, whether in small towns in Wyoming, it's the same rhetoric. Affordable housing is an issue. Yes. And the more you listen to these city council meetings, you realize it's the same story and almost the same solution everywhere. Right. The only difference I've noticed is, so these small towns, in Key West included, right? So I was at a city council meeting in uh, one of the small towns in Colorado. And the city council brought up this important fact that I never thought of before. They said they're looking at big metropolitans like Denver, Right. Right. How do they fix their affordable housing? Well, they bring in these massive big developers who build these high rises. Right. Okay. That's how generally large towns have done it. So the essentially, problem- well, let me stop you there for those listening, adding capacity, adding available rental yeah. units to the marketplace. That's that is right. a viable solution. That's why there's skyscrapers in New York city and call right. in, in Chicago and Denver and all these in LA and all these big cities. They're bringing additional units online. Hell, half of Florida's doing that. Go ahead. I'm sorry to interrupt. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Now, when these small towns look at the big towns like Denver, for an, for an example of what to do, the problem is they cannot bring these large developers into small towns. Right. And it's not because just of zoning, because the city, Key West, too, is very open about adjusting zoning to, fi- zoning to fix this problem. The issue is these large developers... They don't want to deal with the small towns because the money is in the Denvers, is in the New Yorks, is in the Fort Lauderdales, the Miamis, because just because of the numbers, the capacity, the the numbers game in there. Right. The so scale. These small town. Exactly. So these yeah. small towns, even like Key West, are screaming because they can't bring these big developers in. Help solve the problem. Right. 
and ding, wait a minute, maybe we found something here. Maybe we found a niche for, you know, a, a syndicate like like us to actually go into these smaller towns, Key West, uh, Cheyenne, Wyoming, wherever, in order to help this because there's a void. There is. And what what's somewhat terrifying to me is when they try to legislate the problem. But I realize, you know, being a realist, I realize that that all they can that's all they can do. That's all that's only the within their scope. So I don't want to say they don't they know better, but what they look for is they look for what they appear to what they feel is the obvious, such as vacation rentals. A lot of major markets across the country are attacking vacation rentals. I want to get right to the point. They want to attack vacation rentals, and you know. Whatever, go ahead. You can attack vacation rentals all you want, but that's really not going to solve the problem. Now, the public perception, especially here in Key West, you hear this a lot. Well, the vacation rentals are ruining the industry. Okay, so let's wipe those vacation rentals clean. Let's outlaw vacation rentals. So the guy owns a 3-2 house that he was renting as a vacation rental for twenty grand a month. He bought the house for a million bucks. And you're proposing that if you tell him he cannot vacation rental, that you will now be able to rent it to a local worker for $2,000 a month, which is affordable. Well, I have news for you. The mortgage payment on a million dollars is nowhere near $2,000. It is considerably higher. And that's before we even get involved with property tax, insurance, on and on and on. So the, what, I'm, what I'm seeing is my big takeaway is that the government feels they all these little governments, these little commissions and whatnot, feel they can regulate through this their way through this problem, but they're not realizing what they're leaving in their wake. Because yeah. the guy that has the Airbnb house in town in Fort Collins, Key West, doesn't matter where it is, LA, he bought that house probably to short-term rental it. And even if he didn't, he's not going to be a happy camper when you take away his income stream. So his response is going to be, well, hell, the market's up. Let's sell that bad boy. That house yeah. gets sold probably by a user buyer who's going to move in. So you're not going to get your rental unit out of that. Um, and it, you, I know you heard a lot of this whole thing in Fort Collins about the fact that uh, they want to add more rental units to support to drop the rent and Tell me more about what specifically Fort Collins' solution was, because when I heard it, it was kind of like cockamamie. It's like they're not really trying to add units. They're trying to pack, squeeze more people into an existing footprint. Yeah, and that was a, another exciting part of the city council meeting that just kind of popped up. The city was very clear that they don't want more sales units where, you know, Tyler Chef Mike Marino buy to live in, right. they want more rental units. And they're adamant about the difference and adamant about we want long-term rental units. And it sounds like in Key West, you guys have same heard thing. the same thing. Sure. If you say, hey, I got a long-term rental, they're all about you. So how do they propose to to do this? What is the how are they doing it? What are they what what is their solution supposedly? Out in uh, out in the West Colorado, Wyoming, their solution is rezoning. So they're trying to rezone old industrial zoned areas. There's a lot of railroads and what out there. Right. And then they want to rezone it for a high density rather than a low density residential. Okay. So instead of like a single family house scenario, they want to take that single family and call it a duplex, let's say. Oh, yeah. Okay. Call it a duplex, put up a wall. ADUs is a huge term right now, obviously. Right. Auxiliary dwelling unit, like we used to call it mother-in-law suites in the back. Um, they're now opening up the zoning. So if you want to build an ADU, go ahead. They will not stand in your way. <laughs> so let's discuss what you and I talked about. It's like, okay, that's fine. Great. Now we can turn a single family house into a duplex. But in Fort Collins, a single family house is what? $800,000. Yeah. 
So how do we take an $800,000 house and turn that into any sort of affordable or workforce housing? That math doesn't work. I mean, what's the mortgage payment? I don't have a calculator in front of me, but what's the mortgage payment on $800,000 right now? Oh, um, a bit scary. It, it's up there. I mean, what are we at? I'm, I think my, my daughter's getting a mortgage right now. It's like 4.99. So let's just say $800,000 in, in coin and we'll call it 5% interest, you know, because Powell hasn't spoke yet. That mortgage payment alone, that's just principal and interest. It's 4,294 on a 30 year mortgage. Well, if you take that and divide that by two for a duplex, that means you're at 2147. That's just tax uh, principal and interest. We've not talked about property tax. We've not talked about insurance. Uh, in Florida insurance right now, you can, my insurance on, on uh, my buildings are getting ready to go up. Uh, I just heard, heard from our insurance agent that they're getting ready to cancel. My policies are up for renewal and the insurance companies have declined to renew the policies across the board and that I can get new policies. Maybe they're trying to find someone that will insure me. And let's be honest, I have not had any claims on these properties and they are having a hard time finding anyone to insure me. So I'm just ready for the big bill. Now, last year, my insurance for one of my buildings went from $2,000 a year to $10,000 a year in one year, it went up eight grand. So it went up 500% in one year. And now they're telling me on renewal, well, we're not quite sure we can still insure you. Really? So how much is the rent piece of that 2147 mortgage payment? Probably the same, equal, right? Close to it, 1000 bucks maybe. So they're changing capacity when you have a, a housing market where a, two, a, a single family home sells for $800,000 isn't a solution. Did they come up with anything else that makes sense? Well, like I mentioned, they're rezoning it for high density. Right. So now they're talking, you take that single family house, if you can somehow convert it to a fourplex right now, now the numbers can work quite a bit better. Um, Fort Collins is weird too. They did mention this weird thing is uh, they want to, it's kind of scary, they want to limit one car per household. Oh, that's good. Yeah, let's get four yeah. families in a house and limit them all to one car. Yeah. yeah that makes perfect sense. <sighs> And probably mandate that they buy electric cars along go along with it, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that's next. Yeah. So they want to promote like the train, the the light rail, uh, the buses, so people can rely just on one car, which makes sense when you're in city council and you're living the bubble, right? People don't live that way. No, they don't. So in the end, we look at this and we say, okay, the government thinks they can legislate their way out of this. They're going to try to increase density by saying it's okay for you to make turn your $800,000 Fort Collins, Colorado house into a duplex. Even though the math yeah. doesn't work, they're going to spend a whole lot of effort doing that. And let's just say, for example, they do it on as a fourplex. Well, I happen to know the average square footage of a house in Fort Collins, Colorado is somewhere around 2000 square foot. Am I correct? Yeah. Correct. On average, if we're not, not including sure. the, 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 the basement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because that's a whole other issue as far as water intrusion, things like that. So if we're talking about above grade, we're looking at maybe between 1,500 to 1,800 square foot. And we're, our minimum, based on the state of Colorado, occupancy standards are 600 square foot per unit. Plus their setback requirements. So you're going to squeeze 600 foot of living space in a building that is less than 2,000 square foot. Well, let's see. If it's a fourplex, that'd be 2,400 square foot. <laughs> You can see where this gets kind of crazy real quick. It doesn't work. It, it just simply, you can add density all you want, but it doesn't work. So 
guys, what are, what is our takeaway from this? Right. It's like, well, they want to solve the problem. Right. So let's look at it. Let's come at it from a different angle. And I just said this at a recent city council meeting in, in Key West. People didn't really want to hear it, but I don't really give a damn. I'm going to say it anyway. The only solution, we said this, Mike, in the beginning of the episode, it, you can't take what's already there and dice it up into little pieces. I mean, that works in Japan, but you're not going to take a big, fat, white American guy that's been drinking Bud, Bud Light for all of his life and eating bonbons on the couch and shove him into a 400-square-foot apartment. It's not going to work. And his kids and then his couch and his the bumper for his pickup truck and everything else. It's not going to work. It just doesn't work. So we have to add additional living units. Or we just need to suck it up buttercup and deal with the fact that rent is high in Fort Collins. You know why? Because it's Main Street USA because it's a beautiful little town that Disney World built their Main Street USA off of. And it's not cheap to live there. <laughs> you know, Fort Collins, Colorado, unfortunately, is not built for the poor. It's built for the, the mass, mass affluent. Yeah, um, but a solution would be let's look around maybe Fort Collins and say what in, what industrial buildings are there that could be converted like you had said in the city of Key West I'm going to a city council meeting tonight at 5 o'clock and I'm, my wife is graduating the ambassador program yay and um, she right next in that same parking lot is, a, is the old Key West High School gymnasium now Key West City Hall for those that don't know used to be the Key West High School back from back mm-hmm. in the 20s and when they built the high school, the separate building behind it is the gymnasium that the city conveniently uses for storage. It is about a 20,000-square-foot building, two-story, gorgeous, uh, made of, of coral, stone, and all that good stuff, right? Sitting there storing boxes and, and sippy cups and God knows what else and legal pads instead of affordable housing. So if you want to solve the problem, and that's the basis of this episode, how can we as investors take this information from a city council meeting and make money from it. Any thoughts on that, Mike? I think what you, that, that is the gem right there. If you go to a city council meetings, they're so boring, but when you hear these little nuggets and they speak it every 20 minutes or so, that's the opportunity that nobody else is listening to. Like you're mentioning same thing in Fort Collins. We have a lot of old industrial uh, buildings, right from the railroad days, the 1880s. And the city itself said, we have 60 acres of city land that we want for rental residential development. So right away, what, is, what does that mean? Well, you and I, if we go to city council meetings, become friends with the city, we want to help them out. We right. want to help them develop these now city lands. Maybe we can lease it from the city. Um, there's all these options. And basically, if you build your team of CPAs, attorneys, or whatnot, just brainstorm from all these nuggets how can we help? Because in the end, like I mentioned, these small towns don't have the same resources to build that the large metropolitan areas do. In addition to that, one of the things I'm thinking about is, you know, if, if you've got land, dirt, that's owned by the city, the county, the state, whatever, that's great. But let's be honest, at least in Florida, in Tarpon Springs, Florida, where we, you and I just bought that big house, new construction cost on, on dirt is $235 a square foot. Mm. That's if it's single family or small multifamily under four units, four units or less. If it's commercial, it's gonna it could potentially go up to there, uh, up from there, depending on how much concrete, because concrete's your wild card. And right now, the cost of concrete, at least in Florida, is through the ceiling, and it's a wild card. The contractors are afraid to even bid a lot of concrete jobs right now because there's no cost controls on the con- on the concrete. They could bid it one day, and six months later, that they get ready to pour and find out their cost of concrete has tripled. So. Mm-hmm. 
new construction can be a challenge if these things aren't under control. At least with the residential, you can do a concrete block first floor and a frame second floor. On commercial, they're not going to be as forgiving on that because of building requirements. So when you look at a place like Fort Collins, how many build government structures are there, like the Key West gym, that are four walls and a roof that maybe have some functional obsolescence or maybe were a train station at one time? What's the cost per square foot to rebuild what's already there? Because why do we tear down existing good buildings to build new ones? Gee, that's a great question. Are we doing the math to figure that out? And guys, listen to the podcast. You can do this too in your own town. And you think, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm going to wait. I'm just going to take something. You know, I'm going to just go be a wholesaler instead. Guys, the riches are in the niches. I'm here to tell you. There is no niche that comes with wholesaling or niche or whatever you want to call it. Everybody and their brothers wholesaling. That's why there's no such thing as a seller direct deal anymore. Every wholesale deal I've looked at in the last year is daisy chained at least three times. I don't think anybody even knows who the seller is anymore. Um, look into this stuff when you go to city council, sit there, or you can watch these things on Zoom. So you can't sit there and say, I don't have the time. Mike, you're an airline pilot. You fly over the, all over the place. How many times has your butt actually been in a seat in Fort Collins in the meeting? <laughs> Never. <laughs> exactly. You haven't even walked through the front door of City Hall. Well, I know you have, but not for a meeting. And same thing. I've spent the last three weeks up in Tarpon Springs, but I didn't miss any city council meetings in Key West because they're on Zoom. And guys, yeah. you can download the file. They're public record. That's free. You download the file. You could use, you can pull the audio out of it. There's lots of free websites that you drop the video file in there and they will strip the audio out. And you can download that audio to your cell phone. Mike, that's what you do. And you listen to it while you're in the airport, while you're waiting for them to service your plane because he's an airline pilot, right? So you're always go, go, go. You don't have time to sit there with your face planted in a computer screen watching their lips move. And frankly, in Key West, the camera is so far apart, so far away, you wouldn't even be able to tell who's speaking. <laughs> Unless I stand up, you can tell. It's like big, <laughs> big head and this voice. It's like, yeah, that's Tyler. <laughs> oh, yeah, Hawaiian shirt. That's Tyler. No shoes. <laughs> But guys, you can take this information, you can listen to these meetings, and it, it, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure this out, right? You just simply listen to what, what is the problem. The problem is housing costs are crazy. And the solution is not clear right away, but the government wants to fix it. It behooves the commissioners to come up with a solution. They're not capable of coming up with a solution on their own. If they were, they would have already come up with it. But... You know, Mike, as we talked about, we can we can approach the cities and say, hey, you've got building XYZ. Or, guys, let's look beyond what the city has. Let's say the city doesn't want to share its coffers. They don't want to fess up a government building to be converted. You don't have to own the building, okay? Mike, you and I talked about the 99-year lease principle. Yeah. Where you basically take and you, you, instead of buying the building, you lease the building on, let's say, a 99-year lease or a 30-year lease or whatever it works out to be. So Mike and Tyler, or, or a cash flow guy's real estate fund, goes out and signs a long-term lease on a government structure. We, we rent the structure. We have a bulletproof lease that's drafted by our legal team. And that is in, in corroboration with the city or the county's legal team. And then we basically take control of the building for a given period of time. Now, that said, that's not an annual lease type of situation, guys. You're going to need that for probably at least a decade or two. Think about how long, if you bought an apartment building today, would you hold on to it? The answer is probably between, well, some of people three years, but five to ten years. So maybe you do a ten-year lease. You go in and do the renovation. 
and then have an option to extend the lease and make the lease assignable. That is the same thing as buying an apartment building, doing a value add, and then selling the building later. The difference is, guys, there's no closing cost all the way along. And I remember you pointed that out, Mike, and that was brilliant. See, we go out, every syndicator on the planet goes out and buys a big fancy apartment building. They pay $100,000 in closing costs or $200,000 in closing costs, prepaids, lender fees, all this crap, all these extra fees. Everybody's getting rich, but the investors and the the, the, uh, syndicators, I mean, the bank wants their piece, the title company wants their piece, and God love them. I'm not denying them their money, but how else can we do a deal where we can control the asset, eliminate all these extra closing costs? We don't have to buy the damn thing. Instead, we go into a long-term lease. We have, we have tangible control over the building by paper. You know, it's not the same as owning it. I beg to differ because ownership can be stripped just as easy as a lease possession can be stripped. That's a fact. And if you don't believe me, I would Google search the word foreclosure. If you run into financial trouble or you get sued, the, the court or the other party can force a foreclosure on your property. Even if you pay your bills, they can sell. If Mike gets in an accident because he's flying a plane like a jackass and he wants to go underneath the bridge like Tom Tom Cruise and in Top Gun and his Cessna or his Learjet, and he takes out a school bus full of nuns with his landing gear, Mike's going to get sued. And if Mike owns an apartment building on his own or with some of his friends, Mike can lose that apartment building because if Tyler was in that bus driving those nuns around, and he took the top of my head off, I'm going to sue the pants off him. And I'm going to get everything he owns, or a piece of it, or at least a lean against it. I'm going to force the sale of everything he owns. So same, same, kids. What are they going to do? Take a lease from you? Nobody wants that. They don't want that responsibility because they're lay people. So think about the possibilities there. What is the functional difference really when it gets down to brass tacks? And I have a lot of attorneys that listen to my podcast, a lot of real estate attorneys, syndicate attorneys listen to my show. You guys call in, tell me what's the, I mean, obviously there's functional differences. There's two different words, lease and sale. But in the end, in the eyes of the law, it's possession, right? It's possession. It's a document that controls, that, that outlines possession of an asset. A deed documents ownership. A lease, or in, even in some cases an option, or in all cases an option, uh, gives you, constructive control depending on what's in it. And I'm not an attorney. That's not legal advice. You need to reach out to your own attorney in your state, somebody you work with and trust. Don't listen to uncle Tyler. Don't listen to Mike. He's a pilot. He's not an attorney, but it's about constructive control. And if we guys as investors can go to these city council meetings and figure out what the problems are, it's not hard. They, they, they pretty much lay it out. Don't they Mike? They do. They tell you exactly what they want. And like you said, they don't know how to get to the solution. Right. They just have an idea. Right. Now, what, what is easier, do you think? Now, okay, so let's let's talk. Let's just pivot for a second. And I'm going to shine the light on you because you're just what comes to mind at the moment. You were shopping last year in Fort Collins last spring, right? Yeah. yeah. Talking to real estate brokers, talking to sellers. How'd that work out for you? <laughs> exactly. No need to even comment any further on that. <laughs> Mike realized the value of a good agent. <laughs> we'll, yeah. we'll put it that way. Needless to say, Mike did not close on any transactions in Fort Collins with a realtor. <laughs> it, it becomes clear if an agent is on your side or not. Crystal clear. 
yeah. even though they're the by their hind, they're supposed to be on your side because oh whatever I can't help it. But my reason I point this out, guys, is that going out and trying to buy things off the shelf is a challenge. It is probably the most challenging way to do it. Like we just bought that property, and the mm-hmm. seller was let's just say challenging. They presented certain challenges that you and I had to overcome. Um, at one point we had to get our legal team involved to make sure that we had our T's crossed and I's dotted. And, you know, we're both big on due diligence, but guys, even the most vanilla transaction with somebody like, like I've had, I've been at this for two decades or more. Uh, Mike, you've been at this quite a while too. Problems still come. So buying a property doesn't guarantee no problems. Just like leasing a problem, a property doesn't mean you're going to have problems because in the end, it's a document that talks about control. Who controls it? What are the terms? Think about how you can go to your city council meetings. You can sit down and listen, identify the problems, find out who the people are that can help you make decisions, find out what tools and resources are available in your marketplace, and then get to work rolling up your sleeves. I assure you this, and Mike, you tell me if I'm crazy, but if you, as you watch these meetings, you've picked up the mannerisms of the people, the councilmen and the, and the, the people within government. Yeah. Is it fair to say? that they genuinely want to try to solve the problem. It's just that they're not quite clear on how to do it. Oh, uh, absolutely. So is it reasonable? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but is it in the end, is it reasonable to say that they might hear out a suggestion provided you can come up with one? Oh, uh, absolutely. But I think the the key is just remember that, yeah, they're the mayor or the city councilman. They're sitting behind the podium, but they're people. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. Yeah. And just be, keep your emotions in your pocket. Just talk to them because you want to help solve their problem, which in the end helps your problems too. Oh boy. It sure does. Yeah. So don't get hot headed, talk nice, slow and and soft. And then everyone get along because, you know, through all your podcasts, your main message, Tyler, is you want everybody to win, win, win situations. Will always go through exactly, and you know, to wrap up, to summarize, you and I spent some time at the city of Tarpon Springs City Hall. Yeah, and I've done business in Tarpon Springs for a long time—twenty years. My wife has done business in Tarpon Springs for basically fifty-two years. I mean, she's that old, fifty-two years old. Um, she knows everybody downtown. Everybody knows her. She's well respected because she's not a hothead. She's does quality work. Every property that we control or own in that town is in great condition. Every deal that we've ever done has been ethical and upfront. We always pull permits. We do things the right way. So Mike, what was your general consensus of how I was treated when we walked into city hall? Oh, they, (laughs) even the people who didn't know you personally lit up. And part of it was because we went in there with the intent of buying this property right. and who those don't, who don't know, uh, it's a historic property. It was built in 1914. Right. And Tyler, I remember as soon as we opened our mouth and said, we're not tearing it down. We want to keep it looking the way it is, that character. And we will make it usable for the public, for the city and city workers. And they, they treated lit us up. like gold. Yes, sir. Yes. We said no wrecking ball and they were all smiles and wanted to help us really. Right. Because we're there to solve a problem and they see that we genuinely want to solve a problem. And when you genuinely want to solve a problem, boys and girls, the government will help you do that. I know you're probably thinking I'm saying that tongue in cheek and to some degree I am when we're talking about the federal government, but realistically every elected official is in it for them. 
Okay, we know that. I've said that a hundred times. So if you make their job easier, they're going to be conducive to go along with whatever idea you have to make it that way. Hell, that's how I learned to wind up making more money than all, every NOAA call officer in the fleet when I worked for NOAA is that I made my superior's job very easy. And when you make somebody else's job very easy, Mike, you're an airline pilot, you're a first officer, you are in charge of that plane, you and the captain are in charge of that plane when you're, when you're flying, right? When you walk through that fuselage before a flight, if the stewardess are, you know, you can control how that flight goes. And I know this is probably a terrible example, but realistically, if, if you really are, if your crew is, is treats you well, you're going to treat them well. It's just kind of how the ball bounces, right? But if you get a, a flight load of nasty, unruly customers that walk in the door on the, on the flight line and reach in the cockpit and slap you in the face as they walk by going, in your face, spirit pilot. Well, guess how that landing is going to turn out, boys and girls? <laughs> Turbulence. No, I'm not saying that you would do that. But, I'm, but seriously, you walk into these government offices and you may get the feeling these people don't want to help. And know this, you haven't been sitting there all day long. And Mike, remember we were sitting in the lobby and we heard other people coming in and how they treated the city workers. Oh yeah. They treated them like hell. They talked down to them like they were some sort of servant for them. I'm a taxpayer. Oh bullshit. Everybody's a taxpayer. What does that matter? But they shit all over these, these government workers. And then they wonder why the government workers don't want to help them. And that's just kind of how the ball bounces, guys. If you slap the pilot, you may not enjoy your flight. That's called logic. You know, so don't be, Mike, if you call air traffic control a putz, how long are you going to be sitting in the runway? A while. <laughs> <laughs> Take another lap, jackass. That's how that's going to go because they're going to passive aggressively torture you. But when you go reach out to the city and you really genuinely want to help and they can see it, you can you can solve all kinds of problems. Yeah. And one last thing about that, and I mentioned this so our audience understands that it's really valuable. This is a tip for everybody. When we walked into City Hall before we even closed on this property in Tarpon Springs, and just the fact that we were there, I remember the first thing that they said to us when they came out is, wow, most people wait until they break a law and then come to us to help fix it. Instead, you guys are coming to ask what the laws are and want to help follow it. I don't know, man. I've always been against that thing about beg for forgiveness and all that. I don't know. There's something about that. It's like, maybe it's because I'm an ex-cop and I just don't believe in breaking the laws primarily. But uh, yeah, you're right. They make a big deal about the fact that, wow, you guys actually come in and ask the right way to do it. We don't know what to do with that. But that was, that was a good experience. So, guys, summary is this. You got to get off the couch and do things, right? We're going to end the episode right here, but we, you got to get off the couch and do things. You got to go out and talk to people. You got to invest some time with some headphones on, listening to these city council meetings, identify the problems, come up with logical, simple, easy-to-understand solutions. Don't be mealy mouth. Don't be full of shit. Walk out there. Have a genuine conversation with them with solutions you can actually bring forth. Surround yourself with good people team members that will help you get to the goal and you too will be able to accomplish great things here with buying properties cash flowing doesn't matter if you're doing single family multifamily or anything guys have a great week and i will catch up with you next time this concludes today's episode you don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income 
and escape the rat race.